You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Before I uh, give you guys the message that God laid in my heart, um, I over the next three weeks, I've actually invited a couple of our partners, our both local and global missionaries, to come and kind of give us an update. And today I have such an honored privilege to introduce you guys to one of my favorite people here in Hanford, which is Dave Clevenger. And I'll have him come up here in just one second. Um, but man, this guy, he leads uh, King's Gospel Mission, which is an outreach to the homeless, but it's much more than that. I mean, they are pouring into this community like most people want it. And I, I'm just so honored because uh, I've got to sit around the table uh, quite a few times with Dave. I consider him a friend. Um, but man, the giftings that God has put on his life to be a visionary um, for this community. And he, he puts in the hard work. I'm, I'm so privileged and honored um, that he's a part of our community and he's behind the scenes reaching out to those who are really um, not unseen like in the, in the physical, but unseen the need of what really needs to happen there. And so I just want you guys to give him a warm welcome as I invite him up to share a little bit with you guys. This is Dave Clevenger, everybody. And so Dave, go ahead and share with us a few things that's kind of on the docket for uh, King's Gospel and whatever else you want to share with us. Sure. Thank you uh, very much for having me back. Um, I've enjoyed all the times I've been able to come stand up in front of you and we share forgot. We forgot to tell everybody about... we decided to twin today. We so. did. Yeah. <laughs> and we think it's a good look. No matter what you guys say about it, this is, we're pulling it off. I'm telling, no, anyways. Uh, so... Um, I just want to talk a little bit about what's going on uh, with KGM and a couple other things that are around it. And, you know, the, the word that was up here um, for a couple of folks it truly is prophetic. Because what I want to talk about is unity and darkness to light. And, and it just fits so well in. And, and you can see the Holy Spirit move throughout, throughout our fellowship today. And the reason it's important is because do you all know what community means? right? It's the root of the word community is with unity. It means together. And if you pay attention to what goes on in homelessness, I don't know if a lot of you pay attention to it, um, don't understand it, look at it and judge it. I, I'm not up here to pass judgment. What I want you to do is recognize maybe the next time you guys see homelessness, pay attention to the fact that it is a community. There's really no encampments that are singular. There's, there's exceptions to that, but they're the exceptions. They're not the rule. The rule is that there's a group of people that are living with unity in a very negative and dark circumstance. Extremely negative. Extremely dark. Once you enter homelessness, and there's many, many, many reasons why homelessness occurs. Um, there's, there's varied as the individuals who experience it. But there's some, there's some prevailing ones, right? Right now in the state of California, it's the cost of housing that is the predominant reason why homelessness is increasing. Um, but once you enter homelessness, you're met with a tremendous amount of darkness. There's stress, an unbelievable amount of stress. Like all of us get to go home after a stressful day and put our head in a pillow and relax, shed off the worries, be around people who love us, 
be around our communities of, of strength, just refresh to take on another day. We all go through this. With the homeless, you don't get to do that in a safe place in an effective fashion. So one of the key ways to move from a negative community experience to a positive, light-filled community experience is to have a safe place to call home so that you can refresh off of this, right? The second thing is, within these negative community circumstances, there are people who don't have very much opportunity. And God created us to have positive, purposeful activities daily. He put it within us. You can see it throughout, throughout our work. You can see it throughout our volunteerism. You can see it when people get a passion for something, they will, they will do it. And they will think about it all the time and, and thrive in it. And yet, in this homeless experience, you have a, a tremendous darkness or lack of opportunity. And so how do you move from darkness to light? You create positive, purposeful activities for people to pursue on a daily basis. That's number two. That's what allows people to leave out of homelessness. And then the third thing is this peer support idea. So going back to the concept of unity, with unity, togetherness. Once you start to experience homelessness, you now belong to that tribe, you belong to that culture. Even if you come out of it, you still have a shared experience. Now I guarantee every single one of you in here has a shared experience, whether it's with this fellowship, or something that you've belonged to, something that uh, you believe in. For me, a my, my most uh, entrenched shared experience is a military experience. I was a, a, a Navy corpsman. I had a couple Marine Corps tours. I think like a Marine. I still love being around Marines. It's a very deep shared experience for me. I feel at home when I'm on a Marine Corps base, right? I feel a very deep, deep experience when I'm around my fellow Christian brothers and sisters. That's, that's my tribe. These are my cultures, right? It's the same with homelessness. And so the way that you move, you allow people to move from darkness to light is you don't remove the community. You don't remove the shared experience. What you do is you put the shared experience from a negative circumstance into a positive circumstance where, they can, where peers, people who have shared experiences, can support one another in the journey out of it. This is what King's Gospel Mission does um, for this community of people who are experiencing tremendous amount of darkness, lack of opportunities, lack of safe places to call home. We, we build these communities, we support peer support environments, and we provide um, places for people to call home. We have a really small shelter. We have a really large room and board. You want to know why? Room and board is home. Shelter's not. So one of the things that's, that's going on is uh, over the last couple years, I've sort of pivoted and, and leveraged to the fact that there is not, it's really hard once somebody becomes successful out of homelessness to find jobs and find housing. And so a, a simple question was, what if we could build housing and provide jobs at the same time? And that pivot has turned into now this, this great opportunity. I, I believe you guys may be taking a part of it in December, but um, Chad will share that with you. But essentially, uh, we have a factory that builds small homes. Um, it's, it's up in Fresno. 
Um, we have people who uh, used to be homeless that build homes. We have community members, the last couple of Saturdays, we've opened up the factory, we've had community members come in and build along with us. That's a picture of last Saturday, standing on one unit that we basically was a pile of materials that we finished out to having two walls standing up. Yesterday, we got that unit, all the walls done and ready for roof. Um, and we're opening up this opportunity, not only for all during the week we're building these things, but on, this, on Saturdays, we're inviting the community to come in and work and build so that, again, with unity, together, as a group of people who believe that that homeless darkness, just very negative circumstance, can be changed by our unity coming together and building and resourcing the first step out of homelessness, which is a safe place to call home. And so that's kind of what King's Gospel Mission has been up to. Um, King's Gospel Mission has land to put this on. Um, they're fundraising to put these units in place and build them. Yeah, so I think they have a slide of just kind of the vision for South Hanford. So there's a bunch of property out there, and there's a couple different phases, right, broken up here. Yep. Um, but this is kind of the hope that there would be a community out there where they have a place to stay. Right. Yeah. With peers around them that have experienced homelessness, that they can support them out of it. There's plenty of opportunities for the homeless to be involved in positive, purposeful pursuits during the day. But one of the lar largest uh, blessings of, um, of my work with KGM over the last seven years has been to, to watch us uh, participate in how we, frankly, minister to the community. We do lots of cleanup. Um, we do recycling. Our recycling centers are friendliest places in the world to come and get prayed for and write stuff out. The point is, is that this is the journey to come from, from this very negative, dark circumstance of entering homelessness to come into a positive, light-filled circumstance of, of now having opportunity and peer support and family. So I really appreciate the opportunity to share that. Yeah, my favorite thing about King's Gospel Mission is that they do not hide the gospel. They are driven by the gospel, and they believe that the gospel is changing people's lives and just adding all this other stuff around it, but it's the gospel-centered thing that drives them. And so I'm so appreciative of you, Dave, and what you guys are doing. Man, this is amazing. There's already some of the recycling stuff. This first phase is kind of developed out there. Um, but in December, what I told Dave is that uh, we're going to do a fundraiser, actually, during the Christmas time that has two parts. One, we're going to raise money. And secondly, we're going to get a group of people to go out there and start building some of these small homes. So just kind of put that in your mind, um, if that's something that um, intrigues you about, you know, building and things like that. Um, come see me or just kind of put it in your pocket because that'll happen in December. Lastly, Dave will be out, right? In the lobby sticking around? Yeah, I'll be, I'll stick around out in the lobby. I'd love to yeah. have any individual conversations. If you have questions about homelessness, if there's yeah. things you don't understand about it, I love talking about it. I love answering the questions. Um, because I think, it, I think it's very, very misunderstood. Um, and I think the, the, the gospel-centered part of this is we're all, we are all created, right? We are all created by a God who loves us and desperately wants us to, to come into right relationship with him. But how can you do that if you can't see him, if you can't feel him? And when you're stuck in darkness, which, it, and this is a shared experience for all of us, 
It really is. When you're stuck in darkness, which I was before I was saved, there's folks that are homeless that are way down deep in darkness. They can't hear God's voice. They can't see God's love. And the steps to making that happen is to bring them into a positive, light-filled community where, where they can start to hear and start to feel love. Exactly right. And so I'd love to talk to you more about it, but um, I'll be out there uh, after we're done. Yeah, could we just stand to our feet really quick? And we're going to pray for Dave. Um, this morning, I got to share with him a little bit. But this morning, God woke me up with a dream. And the dream was this. It was actually me and Dave standing on the stage. And as he's introducing, he actually said, well, do you mind if I bring the rest of the crew up? And as he said that, I actually saw almost the entire church get up and get on stage. And I believe that God is actually um, setting uh, things in motion that's going to bring him the resources and the people that he needs. And I said, so get ready for the harvest, Dave. <laughs> and so can we just believe it? <laughs> yeah. He wanted me to invite the whole church up here on stage. I said, oh, we're probably not going to do that. <laughs> but just extend your hands uh, to Dave and let's pray over him. So Father, we just pray um, favor over Dave, God. Would you begin to open up the heavens even more so than you already have over King's gospel and Dave specifically, God? pray that you would bless his family. I pray, Father, that you would fill his pockets with the resources he needs, God. I pray that you would bring the people that he needs to, to accomplish the things that need to be accomplished. And so, Father, open up the heavens. Open up your favor upon him to a new extent. And we're just believing in faith uh, this morning, that dream you gave me, God, of your bringing everyone he needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, man. So I'm going to do my best to switch mics here. Does that work or is it going to start popping? If it starts popping, then you know the party started. <laughs> hey, I just want to, hey, I just want to remind you guys or just kind of take a moment to see what's already happening um, in service today. And Luz that uh, came up here and gave a word and then also Tom came up to give a word. Um, Man, what a powerful word. Lose about running the race, right? Even though there's darkness around us, like God actually has a crown of glory for us that he wants to put it on our head. And the beautiful thing about that, the depiction of that, and what Christ has already done, we've already won. <laughs> and so we're running in a way where we're just going to the end to go get that thing. And then, of course, Tom. And they both talked about how there was darkness around us, yet God was calling us out of that. And I just want to say this, like, God does not want you to leave here the same, right? If you're surrounded in the reality of darkness, right, there's things ripping at your life, breaking you down, God does not have that for you. God has something more for you. And he wants you to leave here today filled with a sense of hope, a sense of drive, right, to go get those things, to get the things that he has put on your life rather than the darkness that is trying to take away. Okay? Okay. Well, this series is called Unseen. A couple months ago, the, uh, God spoke to me about the kind of the series surrounding this. And as I started developing this, I started thinking about how much the world is positioned around seeing things. I mean, let's just take social media, right? For example, we have, we record everything, right? We take pictures, 
from everything from special events to our breakfast in the morning. And we have this, this stock that we have taken in the same things. But as you know, just in common sense, spiritually, that there is more to the story than what is just on the front end of it, what's seen. And so my hope is that we would have a church that is able to see past just the things that are seen, right? Isn't that the definition of being faith-filled? Being able to see down the road, to be able to see things that's not right in front of us, but to see in a way that, ha that breathes hope and God's presence into every situation. And so um, I'm going to go, the, the passage that I'm, we're going to be talking about over these next three weeks is 2 Corinthians uh, 4, starting in verse 16. This is Paul talking to a church that uh, got some things a little messed up, okay? And so he writes this, he says, Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an internal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the seen things, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so Paul is talking to a church that was just a little off. In the passage, it actually says that there's people in the church and surrounding them that are blinded. They're actually blinded by the God of this world. The God of this world likes to use the material and things that we see with our eyes to fool us in thinking that there's nothing else to the picture. But Pastor Paul, right, says, no, that's, that's not true. And he's reminding the church not to take too much stock in the things that are seen. Um, and it goes on, and he essentially is saying right this, right, that we need to be a people that needs to see more than what is just right in front of us. And I'm convinced that the church will never fully be what God intended it to be until we start making deposits in the unseen and making large deposits in the unseen. So for the next few weeks, today, of course, I already mentioned I'm talking about the unseen place. Um, next week, I have Jana Motes coming here from Loom International, and she's going to be talking about unseen people. And then finally, Pastor Andrew will finish us out with the unseen kingdom. And so this is what we're going to be talking about, the unseen things. And so let me just be clear about what I mean about the unseen place. You've heard it called devotional time. You've heard it called the hiding place, your prayer closet, and your personal altar. And this concept is all through Scripture. This is kind of an accumulative idea, but essentially spending time with God. And now I want to talk about how we spend that time and what it actually should look like. This is the time where we actually get alone. One of my favorite passages is when Jesus is speaking to the crowd. This is his famous sermon, his famous sermon um, in Matthew, and it goes from chapter 5 to 7. And Jesus, mid-sermon, gets asked by one of his disciples, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? And there was something different. You have to remember who he's talking to. He's speaking to a Jewish people who knew all the rehearsed prayers and the psalms that they sung. Yet there was something different about Jesus. There's something alive in him. And so, of course, he begins to uh, start in his sermon. He says, let me 
essentially teach you about what true spirituality is. And he starts off in Matthew 6, 1. He says, don't practice your spirituality in front of people. He says, don't do it like the pagans who just uh, say these repetitive prayers uh, mindlessly. And don't do it like the Pharisees who like to do it in front of everybody. But he says, but for you, and this is a passage, I think we have it up. There it is, Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door behind you and pray to the Father who is unseen. The Father who sees you, sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Get alone with God. Be in a place that is not seen by others. And then connect with God. And this is actually, there's a reward to doing those things. If you've been a Christian from any, for any amount of time, you know this is Christianity 101. If you haven't been here, if, you, if you've been a Christian, if you haven't been here, then great. This is a great sermon for you to hear. But I believe this. I believe that until we get into this unseen place that Jesus was talking about, we won't have the insight to unseen things. And so to get into the unseen place gives us insight to those unseen, thing, those unseen things. In this place, God is going to give you a deeper vision of who he is, a deeper identity of who you are, and then also real-time guidance in what you should be doing in life. This has everything to do with the mission of the church. This has everything to do with missions month. Because until we connect with this unseen place, we're never going to pray the way we're supposed to pray. We're never going to give the way we're supposed to give. And we're never going to go to the places that we need to go to. It's in this place God sparks that, that fuel of faith to have a step into these things. And I love this because Jesus showed us so many times of how this is supposed to be lived out. Um, the next slide, I, I wrote a definition, and just to be clear, that the unseen place is an internal place that we access by physically withdrawing from the task at hand to connect with the presence of God. Let me just be clear, because there's a practical side of this, of course, going into the quiet place, your prayer closet, away from people. But it's all about the access to the unseen thing, that we have access to be in the secret place where we connect with God. So this place isn't just a physical place that we've carved out in our house somewhere. But it's an internal place that we go to. And the best way to get to that eternal place is what? Get rid of the distractions. Because the Father wants to connect with us. I, I, I put up, uh, can you guys put up that next slide? And so I put up a bunch of scriptures here. Oh, they did one at a time. So I'm going to show you this progression of kind of Jesus when I see him in the Gospels. And, the, and how he withdrew to these unseen places and prayed. Because Jesus is showing us, I believe, that this was the fuel to his ministry. Okay? So in um, that first passage, Luke 5, he says, uh, Yet all the good news was spread about all more. Right? He's getting all these people. Right? The crowds uh, of people came to hear and he healed their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It goes on to say in John 5 and then John 12, which I'm sure they'll put those up in order, but he says, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only uh, do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. 
In John 12, he says, I did not come to speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say these things that I have spoken. Jesus isn't just some minister who begins to, to, to live by these godly principles and these, these good morals. He is someone who has access to the presence of God, and he has real-time guidance as he moves in the ministry. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what the Father is telling me to say. And that next passage with is in Matthew 26 of course, we're all familiar with this passage because this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is where one of probably his heart is the hardest trial of his life. One of the hardest things that he had accomplished because I've never seen him pray like this before. And so Jesus went with his disciples in a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and his two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed to sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face in the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not, I, not as I will, but as you will. So here we see Jesus, right? Hardest time of his life. And what does he do? He withdraws to pray. He withdraws and begins to seek the Father. And I love this because in Hebrews 12, right, we don't see it. It doesn't say this in the Garden of Gethsemane. But in Hebrews 12, it tells us why Jesus was able to endure the cross. And you know what it was? It says this, for the joy set before him. He, was en he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so here we actually see that in that moment of Gethsemane when he says, this is too hard, God, I can't do this. What did he get? He got a vision from heaven. He got his heart filled with faith because he was able to what? He was able to see things that were what? Unseen. And so here in this very hard time, this lonely place, Jesus was able to see more than what was just in front of him. We need to be a people like this. We need to be people who can see more than just what the current reality is telling us. I'll give a little bit of my testimony here uh, lately, which I don't really want to do because I know I'm going to get a bunch of questions and stuff about it, and you guys are going to give me some weird advice about what, <laughs> what I'm going through, but it's okay. I'm going to do it anyways. <clears throat> so I, I've been facing some uh, medical issues. Some of you guys know I have actually a, a congenital heart defect, which is already an issue, and uh, lately, I've been having some, some, um, some pain in my hip. And when I say lately, I, I'm just like a regular guy. It's been about four years. <laughs> so <laughs> I finally decided to see a doctor about it because I was losing some flexibility. I, I'm not able to tie my shoe on that side just because of the pain. And um, so I go see, I do all the stuff, right? I do the MRIs, the x-rays, all that kind of stuff. And they still kind of give me these kind of uh, really, I don't know, not full answers. And so, uh, you know, I heard, you know, you may have arthritis here. You may have a tear in your hip labrum, all these different things. And finally, I go see an orthopedic surgeon. Um, and he does the x-rays, does all the things. And he essentially tells me, he's like, listen, you have a left hip of a 65-year-old. He's like, your hip joint is gone, um, and there's actually bone spurs and things developing there. It's bone on bone. 
So I'm sitting there, I'm like, great, right? And the bad thing about this news is, you know, I have a family who deals with health issues. I come from a long line of degenerative health, uh, bone stuff, and um, not only that, there's just, just multiple things. And actually, my, my mom and some of my aunts are going through this thing. And so as I'm sitting there, the enemy starts to bring up to my mind what my future looks like. And it's not something I have to imagine because I see it right in front of my face. <laughs> I see it going through my mom and I go see my aunts and, and how you know, most of us guys on that side died early. And I start getting a little overwhelmed. Um, started to get a little uh, beat up by the enemy. So I went back and I went to, uh, you know, one of the things too, I have two kids under five. And so I started thinking, man, I'm never going to be able to run again with them. And it just started to crush me a little bit, right? Have you ever been there? Been crushed by some news? And so I go and I, I go in my car and I begin to access the unseen place, the place that I'm so familiar with because that's where I run when I'm in trouble. And uh, I get a little, I feel the anointing of Candace coming here. I'm going to try to hold it back. <coughs> um, but but I, I sit here and I'm just full, so full of gratitude. I'm not filled with, with uh, fear or anything like that. Because in my car, the Holy Spirit instantly started to remind me, <laughs> Psalm 73, it says this. It says, even though my heart and my flesh may fail, my hope is in God. You know, and then he starts over the next couple of days, the enemy comes back, right? And he begins to toy with my mind anymore. And, he's, and God just can, I keep retreating to that place. And he kept reminding me about promises. And then finally, right, he comes to me and, and he, he says this, he says, Chad, I've portioned a different inheritance for you. <clears throat> yep. Here comes the anointing of Candace. <laughs> And he told me not to settle for the portion the world gives, but God has a different portion for me. And uh, so the Spirit gave me a different diagnosis, and I just want to be clear right here that those who think I'm some faith-filled freak that is delusional about the future, I know that there is a possibility that I still have all those things, and, you know, I may have to get surgery, I may have to do all those things, my body may still crumble. The point is, is that God filled me with hope. I know people who got bad things said to them, and they're so filled with fear, and they're so filled with no hope that that crushes their life more than the physical things ever would. And I'm so thankful because God gave me a different picture. The truth is, is that maybe I don't see that full picture in this life, but I will one day see it fully. And so even I think of Hebrews 11, where it's these people, God gave these grand vision to them. And it says they died believing in faith. <laughs> they didn't see all of it, but they got to see some of it. And they died going in faith. And, and honestly, faith is the currency and the only thing that pleases God. And so I've decided, right, instead of believing what the world and the seen things are telling me, I've decided to now believe what God said to me in faith. And whatever that may look like, I'm not sure, but I'm believing that it's going to look like something great. And so going forward, this is what I say to everybody. I hope you get there too. <laughs> I hope you can get the worst news of your life, which I'm sure that's not going to be the one. Um, for me, I'm sure there's other things. But you can get the worst news of your life and yet still stand there and say, you know what? 
You're not going to touch me, enemy, right? Whatever you do to me, I have a hope that is in God. And you know what? You know where you get that? You get that in the quiet place. You get that in the place where God speaks to you alone. And it's not a physical place, remember. But it's this place that I've set aside for so many years that I had an easy way to access it. You know why? Because I practiced it for a long time. I practice to get into those places, and so I can access that. And God wants everyone in this room to access that in a way that they begin to be filled with his hope, they begin to be filled with what he really looks like, begin to be filled with what they are supposed to look like. There's a slide up here, and I just put, like, what happens in the unseen place with God. And it's essentially this. I'm filled with faith. I'm filled with the mind of Christ. I'm filled with the heart of Christ. I actually get filled with the perspective of heaven. And so the last question is this, how do I access the unseen place? I'm very practical. The first part of it, and I'll say here in a moment, before I get into the four things I have, I want to say this, that first of all, let Jesus into your heart. Receive the gospel, right? That's the initial step. Now practice some spiritual disciplines reading your Bible, coming into a community, worshiping God, praying. Those are some of the things I already assume you know. And so these, uh, these things, these pieces of advice that I'm going to give are under the, uh, under the impression that you already know those things. And if you don't, text missions to our, our number, our 559-500-4830. Text missions to that. And actually, we're starting a media fast pretty soon. And I'll send you information on how to practically have a devotional time or a quiet time uh, with, with God. Okay, number one, repetition. What a simple step, but it's this. And I want to be clear, this isn't about works, right? We're not earning our way into God's presence. This is more about clearing a path, okay? And so I always imagine when I, when I thought of this step, I thought of when we go hiking in the mountains or if you've ever been on a trail somewhere, right? It's like all this vegetation is over here to the sides, yet there's a clear path that is just laid dirt. And why does that happen? Well, of course, somebody could have came through, leveled it out, but the, way, the reason why it stays that way is why? A lot of traffic, right? Someone has walked that path so many times that even though there's vegetation all over the place, there's a clear path the person knows where they're going. And mine is this for you, all right? And, I, and as I put this together, I got kicked in the teeth by the Holy Spirit too, right? How we set these things aside. But practice going to this place, this internal place with God where we wait on Him in repetition. Do it as if this is like your morning vitamin. And you don't have to do it in the morning, but this is where, right, we get everything we need to be a Christian. This is the place, the unseen place with God. And the thing is, is that we can experience the presence of God here. We can actually access, right, the presence of God here. There's something unique about people who practice the presence of God when they get into a room, and a lot of them get into a room together. Even those who don't practice the presence of God, they seem to still get swept up in the presence of God, right? If you're here today and you don't, you're not really a Christian, you don't practice these, these things, but you can notice that there is something different about the service, that there is something that you felt, you could actually feel the presence of God here, that happened because there's people in this room that practice going there often, okay? And the thing is, like, what would the church look like if we all practiced this and did rep this, this uh, in repetition well? 
wouldn't the church look a little different? Would we go to higher places with the presence of God? I think we would. So repetition. The next thing is um, subtraction. Simple word. This is the one we hate, right? Self-denial, right? Let's take some stuff out of your life. There's so many things that have distracted us from God. I think of Corinthians that I've just read at the beginning. It's like, the God of this world has blinded you. What are you looking at that's blinding you? What are you participating in that's blinding you? What is on your priority list that is blinding you from the presence of God and is seeing that thing? The simple answer, right? We talked about this couple a little bit. But we're filled with so many things we can look at and social medias and all these things. And this is why it's important. And I hope that you guys join in on this media fast. Now, media fast, it's not a biblical thing, right? A fast is, but that means to go without food, right? But this idea, right, is to subtract something from our lives so we could fill it with the presence of God. So we could fill it with the repetitions, okay? And so for this next 14 days from today to the end of missions month, we're going to practice put, setting aside the medias. <laughs> put aside the Facebooks, the Instagrams, the TV shows, all these different things, and begin to pick up some spiritual stuff. Worship with your family. Read some scripture. right? Read a book that is pointing to God. Whatever it is, fill this time. And that's the important part about a fast. It's not about just going without. It's about filling with. Okay? And I want to tell you this. I know, I'm confident in this, that as you do this, the voices in your mind are going to quiet, and the voice of the Holy Spirit is going to be turned up. So please join us in that. And if this is, and it's going to be difficult for you guys. So if you can't do the full, however many days it is, do something, <laughs> do something with us, right? A day or two, and see the difference because it's the repetition in God's presence. Last uh, two, two more things. Uh, three response. And this is very simple. Have you responded to God or is there something clogging the well? Now, this is a process that we never stop doing. Of course, the first one is, is there something clogging your well? Have you responded to Jesus? Have you said yes to the gospel? Have you made him Lord of your life? And of course, the first step is salvation. But the next step and then steps after that is allowing God to come down and be Lord of your life. And oftentimes in Lord, which... Everyone that's ever been a Christian that is a Christian today still practice this thing, and it's this. What's in my life that is pulling me away from God? What is the Holy Spirit saying to me that I need to subtract, right, and I need to respond to? Is there a relationship that I'm in that I need to get out of? Is there something that I'm watching that I need to stop doing? Is there something that I just need to stop doing? And if that's so, have you responded to God? Because I, I found this, when I don't respond to God and I still try to do those spiritual practices, I find that he's quiet. And God's not a quiet God. God wants to speak to us. God's always speaking. So the problem is, what's going on? Have I responded to the last thing he said to me? Or is he waiting for me? And believe me, I'll give you some advice. Don't try to outweigh God. <laughs> okay? And so the thing is, do you need to respond today? Do you just kind of have to say, you know, God, yeah, I'm giving that up. Yeah, God, I hear you. Yeah, I'm walking that way. Last thing is review. So Jesus in Matthew 6, he, he talks about these two guys or these two types of people. He says pagans, and then he says Pharisees. The pagans who had this mindless uh, prayer, right? And, you know, I'll say something too. 
The world kind of offers a shadow thing of this, right? They kind of offer this shadow meditation. Have you guys heard of, uh, what is that like, manifesting your thoughts or uh, cannotations where you say a phrase over and over hoping it happens? This is exactly what the pagans were doing back then. They, they're taking the spirituality part of it without God, <laughs> which is totally uh, rooted in selfishness. When we approach God, it's not rooted in, like, God, give me this thing. It's rooted in, God, what do you have for me? What, what is your will? So just like the pagans, we don't pray hoping these things come to pass, like we're, we're making a Christmas list of Santa Claus, right? But we're praying, saying, Father, show me your will. Whatever that is given to me, whatever that's in front of me, I'm going to respond to it, and I'm going to do what you want me to do. And then the last bit, the Pharisees, right? It's pretty self-explanatory right there. Who's been in church long enough to know that there's people that practice these things here on Sunday in front of people at the groups or whatever, but they never visited on their own? Man, wow, that hurt, right? I've done that. Let me take that dagger right out. We practice these things in front of people, yet we don't do it alone with God. And this is the way Jesus is telling us to do it. Okay, I'm done with that. Uh, Alfred, you want to come up here? Would you guys all stand up? I want to read something to you. Beautiful, beautiful psalm, Psalms 91. And it's about creating a hiding place and God as your refuge. As we lead today, I want, to, I want to read this. And then I love this psalm because at the very end, the last three verses... The guy just breaks out into like this prophetic oracle, <laughs> you know what I mean? He just begins to prophesy. I don't know if he's singing to somebody or singing to himself, but he begins to prophesy, and it's beautiful. But let me read it, okay? And at the end, we're just going to kind of prophesy that out loud. We're going to do some prophetic prayer for our life. But it says this, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will, be, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress my God whom I trust. For he will deliver me from the snare and the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by the day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall to your side and 10,000 to your right hand, but it will not come near to you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent will, trample, will be trampled underfoot. And then here's that prophetic message, okay? And I, put, I went ahead and put myself in this, and so it's going to read a little different. Because I hold fast to God in love, he will deliver me. He will protect me because I know his name. When I call to God, he will answer me. 
He will be with me in trouble. He will rescue me and he will honor me. With a long life, he will satisfy me and he will show me his salvation. Come on, who needed that this morning? Come on. So, so listen, I'm not just saying this to make you feel good. My hope is that you take some time this week, right, and you prioritize spending time with God because this is the catalyst. This is where we get everything we need. And I'll say it again, everything we need as Christians is in the presence of God. And he speaks, okay? Bow your head and close your eyes because we're going to do the prayer thing. So Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence here. And God, I pray that today we would be a people who are inspired to go deeper with you, inspired to visit the unseen place, God. It's not about a show. It's not about getting some moral badge or some brownie points, God. It's about you speaking life into us. God, help us to to live our Christianity out in a way that is real. And that only happens in your presence. And so, God, help us to be seekers, people who, who search for and are hungry for your presence because it has every nourishment, everything that we need is there. We thank you so much for this time that we had together. And we pray, Father, as we leave this place, we wouldn't be forgetful. Help us not to be forgetful. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at kchamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.